single citizen, the training, chapter 19. When Tracy was in junior high, Vera took a trip to Nassau. She took the vacation as a gift for herself before her surgery, a routine hysterectomy that required a blood transfusion. That was how Vera contracted lupus. Subsequently, she lost her job and insurance. Then Vera was told she had three months to live, and she prepared to die. But the doctor who diagnosed Vera developed a soft spot for her. Lupus was a relatively unresearched disease at the time. Her doctor decided to champion the effort to fight it. He refused to take another patient unless Vera was given a permanent job at the hospital. With his persistence, Vera got a job, and she got covered under the hospital's private insurance. After a few scares, Vera's doctor stabilized her condition, and she went into remission for eight years. Vera became her doctor's success story. He wrote about Vera in medical journals and books, and pushed for reforms in testing blood for lupus. As for Vera, from the time of Granny Berger's death to Tracy's freshman year in college, she had worked herself up from an administrative assistant to the director of the radiology department. Vera never missed a day of work, and became beloved by the entire hospital. After eight years, Vera's doctor decided it was safe for him to go on vacation. He took his family to Venice, and left his staff to keep an eye on Vera. By this time, Vera and Bobby had lived in their split-level rancher for years, which was down the street from Mama Rose. Vera was excited the whole family was coming, because Bobby's Christmas present to Vera was finishing off the basement. Vera decorated it to the nines and put up a huge tree. A few days before Christmas, Granny and Tracy drove the Oldsmobile to D.C., and, even though Moody stayed home because of Bobby, the family had a lot of surprises lined up for Vera. Ginny's middle girl, Mia, had her first child after her husband was transferred to Germany. Now that Mia's newborn was old enough, she planned to fly out from D.C. so Vera could meet her first great-nephew. Freddy had joined the Army two years earlier. For his surprise, he flew in from Germany on leave for Christmas. When they drove to Dulles Airport, Tracy realized the timing was perfect. As they dropped off Mia and her newborn, Freddy stepped off his plane and brought Vera to tears. Everything was aligned, the murk of thanksgiving was replaced by blessings, and Tracy felt his nudge. The next day, the family went shopping at the mall. They went into a shoe store where the manager had forgotten to take old sales signs down before he put up new ones. This meant Granny got four pairs for the price of one, even with her odd feet. That night, Tracy, Freddy, Tori, and Bunky went to the movies. It was the first time the four had been together since high school, and they acted like it, watching, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Christmas morning was wonderful, 
and Vera's radiance outshone any animosities from the past. Her entire family was in her new basement, and her children were grown and successful. Vera gave Tracy the new Art of Noise cassette and a sweatshirt that spoke louder. Earlier that fall, Bobby Brown came out with My Prerogative. The song played non-stop in the gay clubs for obvious reasons. When Tracy opened his sweatshirt, a peace came over him. The sweatshirt acknowledged his mom wasn't afraid anymore, because she knew Tracy wouldn't be like the lonely gay people she had known. Later that night, Tracy asked Granny if he could borrow her car and go out. He put on his new sweatshirt, stating it was his prerogative, grabbed the keys, and headed down the split level's stairs. But when Tracy touched the doorknob, he got another nudge from him. "'Good night,' Tracy said. Vera and Granny chatted at the kitchen table. Vera turned and said, "'Good night, honey.' Tracy opened the door and looked back at them. From the lower elevation and the lighting in the kitchen, the pair looked like they were on stage. With Freddie home and everyone together, Vera had a warm spotlight on her as she finished the dishes and got teacups. Tracy was moved and shut the door. Then he went back upstairs and gave Granny's keys back. Ain't you gone out? Granny asked. I think I want to stay here with you, Tracy said. So Granny, Vera, and Tracy sat at the little round kitchen table into the wee hours. They ate cinnamon toast and sipped milk tea. As it happened, Vera had never heard Helen Keller jokes, and Tracy knew a lot of them. Vera laughed until she had to jump up and bend to hold her nightgown in front of her. "'Stop it, Trace!' she screamed and ran down the hall, giggling. "'You always could make your mama wet her pants,' Granny mused. "'Just like that time with Freddy and the cake batter.' "'Yeah,' Tracy smiled. "'That was a good one.' When Vera returned, she got more tea. Then Tracy reenacted the childhood drama, pantomiming the batter-licking, bowl-sniffing, and the crime itself. Mom, when you saw Freddy with that batter all over his face, Tracy screamed, and the veins throbbed in his neck from laughing. You fell on the floor and laughed so hard you peed yourself. I can't believe you remember so clearly, Vera said. You two were so little, and she sighed. I am so proud of you, both you and Freddy. And I love you so very much. And Vera sipped her tea. We've been through a lot, but we're still here. The next day, Granny and Tracy left for West Virginia in the Oldsmobile, and it was an abnormally peaceful ride. Granny didn't even gripe about Tracy's speeding, because that antagonistic entity was nowhere to be found. The second day, Tracy unpacked the car, Granny did her laundry, and she checked that Moody had gotten enough to eat while they were gone. Then, 
Tracy and Moody had a recap with the sink door open. On the third day, Tracy got up and fixed Moody pancakes. It was an unusually warm and breezy day for December, and there was an uncommon dew on the grass, like spring. What are you doing today? Moody asked. I'm going over to Beth and Aunt Jay's, Tracy said. Aunt Jay is making mixtapes for New Year's, and we're going to all play Pictionary. And Tracy did. After lunch, the phone rang. Aunt Jay picked up the phone, but a strange expression overtook her face. Who is this really? she asked. Then she called for Tracy. It's your granny, Aunt Jay said, but she doesn't sound herself. Tracy took the phone, and it was Granny. She told Tracy his mom was dead. Vera, the one Tracy had through it all, was gone. Selah. It took thirty minutes for all of them to get back to Granny's house. When they got there, Granny sat in the middle of the living room floor. Her legs were spread in a wide V as she rocked back and forth. Which made the phone line stretch and release from the kitchen wall. <laughs> My baby just died. Granny sobbed, and repeated it over and over. Tracy took the phone from her hand. Who are you talking to? Beth and Aunt Jay got Granny into her recliner and got a cool towel. Hello, Tracy said to the phone. Are you okay? Justin asked. I guess," Tracy answered. "But how? I just happened to call," Justin said. "I had no idea." "It's okay. Neither did I." And Tracy couldn't go on. "Are you all right?" "Yeah, a little numb, but I'm not sure what's next." From talking to Granny, it sounds like you're going back to D.C. I haven't even unpacked. Can you pick me up at the airport in D.C.? Sure, Tracy said, and was amazed at what a good friend he still had in Justin. The next day, Granny, Tracy, Ginny, and Cuz Demi drove to D.C. in Granny's Oldsmobile. Alvin and Moody followed in the camper. Because there was no way Moody was going to stay in Bobby's house, especially now that his daughter was dead. But the Oldsmobile was where the strategic planning went down. There were a lot of questions surrounding Vera's death. Her doctor had given Vera a clean bill of health before he left, and had systems in place in case anything happened. Bobby and Freddie were the only ones at home with Vera. And their stories didn't match. The plan was to separate the two from the get-go, and get each of them to say what happened, because even though it was awful to think about, Bobby's history was well known. Freddie'll tell me the truth. Jenny decided. I could tell when Bobby was lying since the day I met him. Tracy said coldly.
Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. As soon as they arrived, Ginny and Demi herded Freddy off into his room. Granny and Tracy took on Bobby, and the witnesses definitely told two different stories. Bobby's expression was also odd, because he looked scared, and no one knew why. Freddy was also upset, but that made sense. It was his mother who died, and he was still pretty jet-lagged from his flight from Germany. The issue was that neither took the appropriate action. Through the course of the night, Vera passed out three times, two times from convulsions. Each time she woke, Vera asked for more water, which was a clear sign something was wrong for someone with lupus. The odd thing was, both Bobby and Freddie said they went back to sleep after the first two episodes. Even though Vera didn't recognize them, and she had more convulsions, they waited until morning to take her to the hospital. Even with that, they only called the ambulance because Vera had passed out on her way down the stairs. By that time, Vera was so bloated Bobby and Freddy couldn't lift her, so they were forced to call the EMTs. To make matters worse... When Vera was finally admitted, the doctors told Bobby to call the family in. That was at 6.30 in the morning, and Bobby didn't call Granny until 1 that afternoon. That's six and a half hours! Tracy yelled, but Bobby could barely comprehend the issue. Granny and I could get here easily in six, Tracy said. Justin and I had done it in four. In whose car? Granny demanded. Never mind, Tracy cried. He was incensed neither Bobby nor Freddy had called. He thought he could have gotten to D.C. to be with his mother before she died. Then Tracy heard him again, calmly, and as a gentle reminder. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He said softly, and Tracy was stopped. Immediately, Tracy was made to understand injustice was done, but knew that it would be made right. He understood the unexplained was not understandable. Tracy also knew he could only be comforted by his presence and could only find peace with the circumstance at his word. The next day, Tracy picked Justin up at the airport. The following day, Justin helped Tracy get Moody up the stairs of the funeral home in his wheelchair. When Tracy entered the vestibule, Granny and Ginny were beside themselves. Tracy! Ginny hissed. You gotta get in there! The door was locked to the chapel, and there was a woman sitting at a desk to the left of the door. Why? Tracy asked. They're making the decision whether to have the casket open or closed, Ginny said. Tracy looked through the small yellow-paned window in the chapel door, and only Freddy and Bobby were at the casket. 
"'You need to get in there and have your voice heard,' Jenny exclaimed. "'They're only letting in Bobby's immediate family.' Tracy knew to go over to the woman at the desk who was busy with her register. "'Excuse me,' Tracy said. "'I need to be let into the chapel.' The woman didn't look up. "'You have to be immediate family.' With those words, something inside Tracy came through. Tracy hadn't felt this since he took control of his arm, and he drew the flowing wheatgrass in the picture of the vision during art class. But this possession was different because it was urgent. Tracy was pushed aside, literally pushed out of his body. Then Tracy watched him while floating next to his body and saw him say these words through his mouth. I am the firstborn. And his magnificence turned and winked at Tracy. An immediate fear came over the woman. She wasn't old, but she got up slowly. She kept her eyes to the floor and knees bent as if prostrate, except she had to open the chapel door. She also trembled as she backed up and was careful to stay facing Tracy. Eventually, the woman got the key into the lock and opened the door. He and Tracy passed through, and she shook as she closed and locked the door behind them. "'What did Tracy do to that woman?' Granny muttered. "'I can't rightly say,' Jinny said as she stared." Tracy stood inside the chapel. He looked down the aisle where Bobby and Freddy were by the open casket. Then Tracy got a frustrated feeling, because he didn't know what was about to happen. As Tracy walked, the aisle telescoped longer and longer, which made his mother seem farther away. Then a cloud enveloped Tracy, yet he saw through it like a ball of mist, or a fog that shimmered in the morning sun as it evaporated. But the cloud was bright from the inside. It was so bright it lit the room, and because the cloud was crystalline, it made tiny rainbow prisms shoot out in every direction. Tracy turned around in awe, and the cloud disappeared as quickly as it had appeared. What just happened? Tracy asked him. That is Shekinah, he said. I will explain it to you later, but for now we will just have fun with it. Then, because he had turned around, Tracy saw Jinny's face pressed to the little yellow glass window with her hands cupped to see in. Tracy walked back to the chapel door in complete amazement. Did you just see that cloud? Tracy asked. There ain't no cloud, Jinny said roughly. Now get down there so we can get in. Abruptly, Tracy turned and walked up the aisle to his mom's casket. Freddy and Bobby were crying, and Tracy looked in. Vera's ears were totally enclosed and undefined, which made her head twice its size. She had bruises where they tried to drain the fluid from her face. Septicemia had set in, which made her skin discolored and splotchy. 
But as Tracy looked at her, God allowed him to look beyond her physical appearance. Much like Tracy had just been out of his body, he saw Vera as she truly was, at rest and beautiful. Then he pulled a peach-colored rose, Vera's favorite, from the arrangement next to the casket. He put the rose in her hair and said, You are my beautiful lady. After a moment Tracy turned, and he went back up the aisle to let in the rest of the family. After they closed the casket, Tracy put his mother's picture on top. It was the last picture taken of her, and Vera stood outside her church, surrounded by her friends, and she was beautiful by any measure. She was the successful woman she dreamed of becoming so many years before, when she moved into the D.C. high-rise with her horrible husband and two toddlers. That night, the tradition was for the entire family to gather. Everyone brought his or her choice of beer, wine, moonshine, or smoke. They gathered to remember the person they were to bury the next day, and it didn't take long. Stories, funny stories came out, offensive to some, but all got over it for the sake of Vera, Mom, Auntie, or Bootsy, depending on who spoke. The company sat in the upper level of Vera's split-level rancher. As the evening progressed, so did the drink, smoke, and shine. The kitchen's L wall obscured a few, but most could see from the dining room into the living room, or across the stairwell into the smaller living room. Because of the odd assortment of loved ones, the subject turned to how everyone knew Vera. The first question came from Tracy's stepbrother, David. He couldn't help but notice Justin, who hadn't been introduced. Bunky also noticed the stranger on the couch next to Tracy, and Tori had made googly eyes at Justin all evening, which wasn't missed by Granny. So, who's your friend, Tracy? David asked, but no one said anything. I mean, I was just wondering how he knew my stepmom. Oh, Granny piped up. That's Justin. He's been in the family for years. He called me and Bootsy almost every month since he and Tracy met. And Granny caught Tori shoot Justin a wink and saw her opportunity to stir something. Isn't he hot, Tori? Granny Moody! Tori protested, and everyone laughed. I mean, he's cute and all. Does he make your panties wet? Granny asked, and there was an appropriate chorus of all shits. But Granny held up her drink to finish it. Well, that's good, Granny said and sipped, because he's gay. He's gay? Tori screamed. He's Tracy's old boyfriend, Granny cackled. So there you go. And the house erupted with laughter, and Justin laughed so hard he almost did wet his panties. The next day, Vera's funeral was monumental. Few of Tracy's family realized how many lives Vera had touched through her work at the hospital. When they arrived at the church, there was a police escort four rows deep assembled in front of the hearse. 
In the parking lot, another group of ambulances, fire trucks, and a second police escort waited to follow her procession. Easily 100 cars lined the streets filled with friends from Vera's church, along with nurses, doctors, past patients, and co-workers. Members of county government and colleagues from the health care community acquainted with her famous case also came out for Vera. After the funeral, the procession closed streets from one end of D.C. to the other, but that wasn't important to Tracy. As he traveled home in Granny's Oldsmobile, there was only one thing he cared about. Tracy thought he missed his mother's last words. You did not, he answered. You heard them spoken over milk tea and cinnamon toast. Tracy smiled. Suddenly he was grateful and recognized the opportunity given him. As they drove, Tracy remembered sitting at the kitchen table and hearing his mother's sweet, sexy voice. He heard Vera's laughter, saw her smile, and smelled the cinnamon toast. Then, for the moment, Tracy was at peace with his mom's passing. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table. <laughs>